Welcome to Talk Across America. I'm Doug Miles, and we're here in beautiful Sarasota, Florida. And right now, welcoming us, uh, welcoming to the program today, I should say, it's a great pleasure to welcome another colleague in the broadcast business. Always great to talk to someone in the field, and she's had a great story. She's an anchor at uh, WWL-TV, also host of her own show called The 504, and uh, more importantly, she has a new, brand new book out telling her story, a very interesting story about how she got into the business. It's called Off Air, My Journey to the Anchor Desk. We're joined today by uh, Sheba Turk. She's uh, over in New Orleans, Louisiana, just across the uh, Gulf from us, and Sheba, good to talk with you. How are you today? Hi, Doug. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. As we said before we went on, always uh, looking forward to talking to people in the business. And uh, again, I got uh, the catalog that uh, publishes your book, Pelican uh, Publishing, and I saw the the broadcast story in there. I always, I always gravitate to that first. So first of all, congratulations on the book. I know it just came out about a month ago. Uh, what's the reaction been like? It's been great so far. You know, tons of people have been shocked that I wrote a book this soon in my career, but I'm always happy about that because it gives me a chance to explain why I wrote it now. You have a very interesting story, as most people do that to get into this crazy business. <laughs> but <laughs> right. you, you grew up uh, a little bit crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. It never has been easy, but uh, you've, you've taken no. a kind of a circuitous route. Still a young woman, but you've taken a circuitous route, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a really special journey. I always say that I know this is where I'm supposed to be because everything just kind of played out in an amazing way that it almost shouldn't have if we would have looked at all the facts and lined it up. Well, let's start uh, at the beginning. Obviously, you're from uh, that area where you are right now, right? Yep, I grew up in New Orleans, born and raised. And, uh, of course, you, you were there during the, uh, the terrible hurricane, uh, Katrina, about uh, 12, 14 years ago. You talk about that in the yep. book, and uh, that, that was yep. not easy for your family uh, uh, itself, what you had to do then. No. That was so tough for so many families in New Orleans, and I'm really grateful for the way it turned out for mine because we actually evacuated. I was 16 at the time to Houston, Texas with family, and at the time it was really rough, but everything I lost was material things besides my dog, who I really loved. Um, but, you know, it was really eye-opening. It's one of those experiences where if you look back and somebody asks you if you could have it not happen, of course you'd say yes. But since it happened, there were things that I took away from it, and it changed my perspective in a way I think I don't think I ever would have gotten if it were, would not have happened. I lived in Houston. It was the first time really living away from New Orleans, and I think it opened my eyes to the way New Orleans was different from a lot of the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I've never only been through the airport there, but just from reading about it and hearing about it, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of place, isn't it? Oh, it's so unique. Yeah. For the good and the bad. That's right, right? <laughs> yeah, I watched that show, NCIS uh, New Orleans, so you get a little taste of it yeah. how it is there. It's, it's an interesting, interesting-looking place, too. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we have a lot We have a lot going on that I didn't even realize was different. Because I was 16, right? And I'd only ever lived here. So I go to Houston, and there's certain things. I'm like, oh, every street has potholes, right? Like, that's just normal. <laughs> and I'm driving in Houston. Oh, I don't even know other places have smooth streets, right? <laughs> it's just bizarre things like that that opened my eyes. and was like, hold on, there's a whole big world out here outside of New Orleans. Let's talk a little bit about how you uh, got into broadcasting. As a lot of people do I, I was one of them uh, you kind of gravitate toward as a kid you watch tv or listen to radio was that your story as well did you kind of have an interest in it as a kid 
No, so mine was the complete opposite, Doug. I grew up refusing to watch the news. I only wanted to read fiction books. I wouldn't even read nonfiction books. Um, I loved school, but I loved outside of school. I wanted to read fiction. I wanted to read Harry Potter and Goosebumps and fun <laughs> stuff. And I loved to write, but it was all crazy, right, made-up stories about the boy who was flying off to heaven or something, you know, really not concrete in this world. And so when I grew up, I still wasn't watching the news. In college, I wasn't the person admiring news anchors or wanting to be in the news world, and I loved to write. So I went off to college thinking that I would be pre-med, really because I didn't know what else to do. And even though I'd always loved English and writing, I put it aside because I knew I wanted a career that made substantial money. And everyone always said, if you major in English, you're going to be a teacher, right? Right. So I majored in pre-med knowing that I hated it. And eventually, I came to a breaking point. I was like, you know what? I really don't like this, and I'm not going to do this with my life. So I dropped all those classes and actually ended up taking a journalism class with a friend only because I had nothing else to take because they dropped all my pre-made classes and I loved to write. But I ended up really liking the class, which eventually led me to journalism becoming my major. And you talk about in the book how you uh, went to New York originally yes. to go to school. I grew up mm-hmm. uh, in New York, just outside the city. Really? Uh, Long Island, just outside. And, uh, been oh, in, cool. And, but NYU you went to, my dad went there. So, uh, no way! Yeah, he, he, well, your dad probably graduated from there. I didn't make it that far. Yeah, well, the story is, I mean, how uh, it wasn't cheap then. He had to do it on the GI Bill. I mean, he had to put himself through school. So you had a similar story, yeah. but, uh, but you ran out of money, right? I ran all the way out of money, Doug. I have very supportive parents who didn't want to tell me you can't go to this school. And a big part of my story in the book is talking about finances, how I didn't understand them, right. had no financial literacy, and really didn't understand what I was taking on financially to go there. I just knew I want to go to New York. I know I'm going to be successful one day. I'm not going to let myself not make money one day, so it'll be fine. And then reality set in. I got to my <laughs> sophomore year and flew home for Christmas break, and my parents were like, we don't have money to send you back. And the truth is, we haven't been paying your tuition. The balance is up to $26,000, and we don't have any of it to pay. This was in addition to all the loans I had taken out. So it really was a low point in life for me, because by then I had just figured out, you know what, I want to do journalism. I'm very excited about this career path. I was a nerd, so I was very much into school, and then everything completely fell apart. I didn't even have a car in New Orleans to try to find a job. I didn't have any job experience, so it was nobody even wanted to hire me to bag groceries at the grocery store, right? <laughs> it was just really a low point, but I came back from it and uh, saved up my money and re-enrolled at the University of New Orleans. And it's another one of those things I'm glad that it happened to me, A, because I realized, right, like my school wasn't going to determine my destiny. Number two, it made me hyper-aware of my finances and helped me get on track in a financial sense. And then number three, I was even more determined to finish once I finally got back into school. And one of the people you met uh, in this tough time was uh, through, a, through a professor, right? Soledad O'Brien, yes. people know from CNN and yes. her work on TV. And, and she's been a great help to you, right? She's been amazing. She's one of my angels. I'm actually flying to New York um, for an event for her foundation next week. But it's one of those crazy things does that makes no sense. I was going to the University of New Orleans, ended up in a class with a teacher who was getting her MBA. So she was teaching for one semester ever in life. And I took her class only because I had enrolled so late because it took me so long to save up the money. They said, hey, there's this great journalism class that no one signed up for because you had to get special permission. Well, I was already in the special office because I was enrolling late. And so they put me in her class. There were only about 10 students. 
we quickly became very close, and it turned out she had just left um, CNN as vice president mm-hmm. and had worked very closely with Soledad O'Brien. She was her best friend, so when she brought her to class to speak to us one day, she said, hey, I want you to meet my star student, and maybe she can do an internship with you. So Soledad offers me an internship. Of course, I just met the lady, so I didn't want to tell her. I just left New York because I don't have anybody, <laughs> right? So eventually I email her because I'm thinking how rude of it would be how rude would it be to not email and say at least, hey, thanks for the offer. So I told her thanks for the offer, but hey, I really don't have money to come live in New York. She gives me the keys to her apartment. She says, hey, if you come to New York, I can stay in my summer house with my family and you can stay in my apartment. Now, I always tell her at this point, I thought this was when she was I was going to be kidnapped, right? Like, <laughs> who does this happen to? And so she's just been that amazing person in my life. Um, and so has Kim, my initial professor. They've just helped me so much for no reason except that they tell me to pay it forward, right? And so now I am a mentor with her foundation, helping other young girls go through the same things that I went to. But it's just bizarre. It just taught me in life that you can't wait till you have a perfect plan written down because right. I think I would still be sitting at home trying to save money to finish college, Doug. And one of the great things, uh, and again, your story epitomizes that, of, of being in this business. And again, we've all been through struggles. It's, it's, it's not easy. But you meet people sure. in this business that you probably wouldn't meet in any other field that, that help you along. Yep. I had a professor that actually worked for the New York Times. He was a sports writer. You sort of become friends with them later on and, and other people along the way you talk to. So that, that's what makes it worthwhile, I think. It is. I always say that from the people that we get to interview and speak with, whether it's a phone interview or in-person interview, I do love talking to people and meeting people. And I am just so grateful that I've had so many people in my journey who I can say, man, I remember even if it was one thing they helped me with, how critical that was to me moving forward. I've just had a lot of people give me positive energy. Let's talk for a few minutes before we wrap up. Uh, you, you do the news on uh, the morning news, right, on WWL. Talk I a little bit about, about that. I morning news anchor on WWL TV. I've been anchoring here now since, um, I guess it was 2013. It's been quite the whirlwind. So I entered the business um, as an associate producer here at WWL in 2011 when I finally graduated from UNO. So that paid so that I could finish. And then um, I had my sights set really on being a reporter. So I planned to leave. I actually got a job in Lafayette, Louisiana, was ready to pack my bags. When the news director here said, we actually like you. Why don't you stay and be our traffic reporter? I really wasn't interested. I wanted to do stories. But he convinced me that it would be a good deal. And so I did traffic half the day, worked on stories the other half of the day. And when they started getting decent, They put them on TV. About a year after that, they promoted me to our general assignment reporter for the morning show. And then, again, in another weird quirk of things that has nothing to do with, right, how hard I was working, it was forces outside of me. The main anchor left, and they thought that I would be able to fill the position. So they replaced me with her in 2013. So it took about two years in the business to move from behind the scenes to the anchor desk. And I've been there ever since. And you, you do the dawn patrol then, right? What do you get, about 4 o'clock in the morning for that? Yeah, that I get up at 3.20. <laughs> so when I just got a promotion. Yeah, I was waking up at 2.50 to be in for 3.30, go on TV at 4.30. My promotion lets me come in at 5. So I sleep now <laughs> until 3.20, and I call that sleep again. I told my boyfriend, I'm like, guess what? I get to wake up late now. He's like, oh, wonderful. What's time? 5? I'm like, no, 3.20. Well, that's something kind of new in the business in the last, I would say, even five years. Local news stations starting at as early as 4.30. It used to be the Today Show. Yeah. Started at 7. That yep. was the earliest thing. Now local. Yep. It used to be 6 o'clock. Now it's 4.30. So it's all different yep. now. 
Yeah. Doug, as you know, this business is changing so quickly. I actually have seen that since I've been in the business. When I started as a traffic reporter, we started at 5 o'clock. So, right. yeah, that was added on even after I came in, and I haven't been in the business that long. Yeah, yeah. I guess the toughest part of that, and I did some morning work. I, I always like doing late afternoon or evening radio or TV, whatever I've done. But uh, mm-hmm. the toughest part is getting up. Once you're up, it's all right. The toughest part. Yeah, yeah. Getting up, that's not bad at all. Mine is that I, I have this weird part in the day, right, like three hours from now when I'm sleeping, and so you're functioning right in the real world. And everybody's thinking, why is that girl yawning in the post office right. in the middle of the day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes you a bizarre character. And do you also still do the uh, the other show, the 504, which is kind of an entertainment so show? So I actually taped the last episode of it last week. Okay. With that promotion I just told you about, the show is coming to an end so that I can focus more on stories and anchoring. Oh, great. great. Cause that, that was kind of an entertainment lifestyle show. I know you said in the book you used to take yeah. that right after the newscast, which aired at night. The, the show aired Yeah, and yeah. that has been going on up until just a few days ago. We've been doing it for five years. It was an amazing run, kind of evolved from what was supposed to be a long-format news show into an entertainment show. It was a lot of fun, a really great, unique opportunity on our sister station to create something that didn't exist. But, you know, it was my little baby, and now it's time to move on. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I know you enjoy being in New Orleans, and, uh, and and you do a great job there. And if you can't say, okay. that's fine. But uh, I guess, obviously, any news anchor wants to move up uh, to network. Uh, are those thoughts in your mind, or what can you say about that? <laughs> you know what? And I wrote about that in the book, that I don't know that, that the traditional sense of moving up is in my mind. I still kind of am the girl who feels like the girl who didn't want to watch the news sometimes, which mm-hmm. I think gives me a unique perspective, right, because... I don't know that my passion is being on TV or news. It still is writing at the heart of it, and I think speaking with people and being around people. So I always try to tell young girls that. I'm like, don't get in this business and think that just because everyone's saying, if you're a news anchor here, then the next step is to move up. Maybe you create a path that has never been done before. My ultimate dream would be to host a national talk show. Mm -hmm. But those jobs only go to celebrities right now. So I'm trying to figure out my path to that in the process. And in the meantime, I'm just doing things that I enjoy. Yeah, that's great. Again, the name of the book is called Off Air, My Journey to the Anchor Desk. We've been talking with Sheba Turk today, the uh, morning news anchor at WWL-TV over in New Orleans. And uh, Sheba, real pleasure to uh, talk with you. I know it's kind of the end of your broadcast today, but I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, uh, give out your website, if you would. People can get information on the book. Please, yes, you can grab the book or find out more information about me and the book on ShebaTurk.com. Doug, thank you so much for having me. Great to talk. Let me just spell your name for the people. S-H-E-B-A and then T-U-R-K. And mm-hmm. uh, she had a real pleasure talking to you. Well, let's keep in touch, uh, you know, next project uh, through Publican or whatever. We'd love to talk to you again, but thanks for being with us today. Please, I really appreciate it. Take care, Doug. Thank you for joining us today on Talk Across America. Please visit our website at DougMilesMedia.com for more great interviews and content. And if you're interested in any of the books we talk about on the program, please click the Amazon link on our website. It helps support the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again real soon here from beautiful Sarasota, Florida.
I'm Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America, isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids, right here at home in the United States of America.